One in six boys will be a victim of sexual abuse before the age of 18. This is an uncomfortable topic and it's incredibly important. We urge you to take care of yourself and if you're able to, please listen to the wisdom and experience of our guest. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts. Janet Allison of boysalive.com, and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Welcome. We love our listeners. Thank you for being here. And we also appreciate you so much supporting our sponsors. Whether you're hearing this in real time or after the fact, be sure to check out the Executive Function Online Summit. This is a wealth of information 30 leading experts from around the globe are helping you learn how you can support your son. If he struggles with homework, with organization, with resistance, we hear this all the time from our listeners, executive function may be what you need to know more about so that you can help him. Go to boysalive.com slash T-E-F-O-S. That's the Executive Function Online Summit. You'll find registration information and access to all of the recordings and videos. Seth Perler is the host. We've had him on the podcast. He knows what he's talking about. The Executive Function Online Summit, boysalive.com slash T-E-F-O-S. Back off, I yelled. Then I punched him but only in my imagination. My voice was trapped at the back of my throat. I couldn't move. That is Court Stroud. And those lines are from his award-winning article, After 50 Years of Sexual Assault Shame, I'm Finally Reclaiming My Voice. This episode might be a bit tough to listen to if you have experienced sexual abuse and you feel like you need to step away right now go for it. Take care of yourself. Turn this off. If you need help or support, please reach out to us. We will do our best to connect you with people who can help you and we will support you as we can. As uncomfortable as this topic can be though, it is incredibly important. One in six boys will be a victim of sexual abuse before the age of 18. It's one in four for men in their lifetime. Many, including Court, don't disclose the abuse until years later. He's joining us today for this important and overdue discussion. Welcome, Court. Thank you, Jennifer, for having me, and thank you too, Janet. It's, um, it, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to be here, and I will confess I'm already getting a little emotional just hearing you, hearing you read that, yeah. but I appreciate that you, you had a trigger warning for those who may not be comfortable hearing this kind of a conversation. We're going to get into our topic, but before we do, I want you to take a moment and just tell our listeners about you 
and who you are today, because yes, this happened in your life, but this is not the sum total of who you are. No, um, thank you. So I am a longtime television and media executive. Um, I'm a graduate. I'm an MBA graduate of the Harvard Business School. I studied journalism as an undergraduate in Spanish literature. I've spent a lot of my time working in the Spanish language media market. I'm an adjunct at Columbia and NYU. So there's a lot about me that beyond this story, but this is a story that I wasn't comfortable talking about, even with some of the people closest to me, really until about four years ago. And there are parts of it that no one knew until four years ago. I started to write this piece four years ago. Okay. And, and it, was too, it was too much emotionally for me. And as I was writing, because it's, it's a series of incidents, it's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. I needed to put it aside. So I put it aside. And then I guess it was spring of 2021, April's uh, Sexual Assault Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit before the beginning of the month. I thought, I- I'm strong enough. I can handle this now. Let me pull it out. Let me, let me go through this. Let, and I, I'm fortunate that I have a great writing group and that's very loving and supportive. So I was able to share it there and uh, share it. And my husband's actually in the writing group. So he, he had seen parts of it before, but we had talked about this you know, several years before. And then I sent the piece out and was kind of shocked and surprised that the folks at Newsweek were interested in publishing it mm-hmm. as part of their, their my turn. So I will definitely put a link in the show notes and I encourage you all to read it. Uh, The reason why this article was on my radar to start with is Court and I are both members of the American Society of Journalists and Authors. And his article was recognized this year as one of our award winners. It won the uh, 2022 Arlene Award for Articles That Make a Difference. And as I shared with him in the hallway at the conference, to me, this is like the most prestigious article award because what more can we ask for than an article that helps change the world and touch other lives? And when we were talking in that hallway, you know, you mentioned a minute ago, this article, it mentions at least by my count, at least eight incidents of sexual assault going all the way back to childhood, back to at least age six. And when we talked at the conference, you shared that you just recently had the conversation with your mother about some of this. Oh yeah, I, I didn't tell my, 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 the, some of the people that were closest to me until the award came out. I mm-hmm. felt a little like I could hide in plain sight. Mm-hmm. So I had a panic attack and I thought I had had panic attacks before, but when the article came out, I really had a panic attack. Like I was thought, oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. And then realized that's kind of a classic symptom of having a panic attack. And so then it just, I just sort of didn't do anything. And I didn't share it with my mom and and some of my closest relatives. But when the award came out, it was an opportunity to get to be braver. Mm. And I'm sorry, I didn't realize that I was, I thought I was going to be very like, you know, business-like on this call. And I think it's going to be hard for me to be business-like. You take, no apologies. You take the, right, take the yeah. time you need. And I know it, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to be vulnerable. You know, this is 
my guess, part of why you had a panic attack when this article hit the world, because suddenly, <laughs> like, all this shit that I've been trying to hide, everybody, like, you can Google me and, oh my God, it's there. Um, but there's also power in letting people see and hear. This still affects you. Oh, uh, absolutely. It still affects me. And there is, but you're exactly right. We're only as sick as our secrets. And the more transparently that I'm able to live, the healthier I'm able to be, you know, in, in, in terms of my, my, my own mental well-being. So when I got the award, I was shocked. Honestly, um, I sent it in and I thought there's absolutely no way that they're going to. Anyway, I, I, I was shocked. So when I got the call, I was like, oh, my gosh. Uh-oh. <laughs> and and uh-oh, like I can't hide. There was a level, yeah. there's levels of hiding. And I thought I'm going to have to not hide a little bit more. And sure. so when it came out, I hadn't told my mom and, and, and some of my closest relatives. And the next day I thought, you can hide this from them, but you're hiding the good parts of your life. And do you really want to do that? Do you? So I wanted to share my joy, but in sharing my joy, it also meant sharing this piece that included a, a lot of painful things. And um, everybody was great. The, the, the terror that they were going to reject me or, you know, that was all in my head. The mm -hmm. shame was leading me to believe. And I, and I will be honest, like Jennifer, when you spoke to me at, at the conference, it meant so much to me because I was still feeling a lot of shame and I was feeling very raw. And the, the, that you were kind to me meant a lot because I, I kind of just wanted to be this specter that walked around that didn't talk to anybody and didn't kind of know, but they, they, they'd asked at some point, you know, is there an award winner in the house? And I raised my hand. And at that particular gathering, I was the only one. And I felt very exposed when they said, and here's, you know, the name of the, the article. And I was like, oh, gosh. Oh. Um, so when you spoke to me, Jennifer, it was really helpful. I had just told, I think, my mom three days before, something like so. that. And, and of course, she was devastated. But it, it, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to be braver. I didn't post it on social media. And then I, I have a pretty large following on LinkedIn. And... I, last year, I was like, heck no, I'm not going to post it there. But I realized that was another opportunity to be brave. And, and I think rationally, if you'd asked me, I, I knew people would be kind. But there's still a lot of fear. And mm -hmm. people were very, very kind. And I, 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 I felt like after I'd posted it, I thought, I've ruined my life. I've ruined my life that all these people know some of my darkest secrets. But a number of people wrote things like, how many people are you going to help because they've gotten to see this? And, re and, and people who may know me, I, I was one time teaching a class and at the, the event of the semester evaluation, the, uh, one of the women wrote, Court is the happiest fellow in the world. I was actually going through a really tough time right then. And I realized that that's an opportunity to be more authentic, that May, yes, maybe in the classroom, I needed to present that part of me, mm -hmm. but there's, we all have lots, we're all icebergs. We all have lots of things that we don't mm -hmm. show coworkers. And it was an opportunity to say, here's a little bit more about me that you didn't know. And maybe that'll give you the permission to feel like you can reveal a little bit more of what's in your life. Because if we get to talk more about um, sexual assault, and, and I think we need to talk about it more for women, uh, for non-binary folks, but also for men, because there's an additional 
maybe I shouldn't say it's an additional stigma, but, but sometimes the, we men don't want to talk about it because we feel like we should have done something to stop it. I feel like there is an additional stigma. And I've heard this from, from other guys too, but we're all growing up in this culture that, you know, well, if you're a guy, certainly you can keep this from happening to you. You know, you're stronger, you're whatever. So if you didn't, you know, there's something wrong with you. You're deficient somehow. And it's not true, but this cultural narrative is there. And then you add in this cultural narrative that guys are supposed to want sex all the time. And then the fact that even when we do finally talk about sexual abuse and harassment, our focus is often on women and girls. Mm -hmm. We absolutely need to talk about that too, but we have to make sure that we are making space and including everybody in this conversation, boys, girls, men, women, non-binary, gay, straight, all on the spectrum. And I just was thinking about you as that six-year-old boy and this idea of, oh, you should have been able to do something about it. And no, you know, just simply no, 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 no. six-year-old, no. And one of the things that was freeing for me in writing about it, and I think that's one of the beauty about that's some of the beauty about art through art we can process our feelings i i had as i when I, the first time when i started writing it four years ago i actually was just writing about the incident in the subway F for your listeners who haven't read it i was in a very packed subway and was groped and couldn't move and in my imagination was punching the guy and screaming but i couldn't move i i didn't talk about that literally for 20 years i wrote a piece of fiction and I showed it to a friend and she said, Court, this is you, isn't it? And I mm. said, oh, you can tell. She's like, oh yeah. And I still didn't talk about it. My husband and I had been married for, I don't know, many years. And I had never told him about that time because I felt this overwhelming shame. Like I let somebody touch me in a subway and I was an adult. Like I was you know, around 30. But as I wrote the article, it started, it was like an onion peeling it back, remembering more, remembering more, remembering more. It, it helped me in the research I did to understand that re-victimization means that sometimes people who have experienced, and I'm certainly not an expert and don't claim to be, I just researched for this piece that sometimes we folks who have had um, incidences in childhood don't make the wisest choices in part because we think that we deserve deserve the assault you know i think there's a couple other layers there and again not an expert so i'm going to put that caveat out there um depending on your experiences as a child i mean sometimes things happen and when you're a kid you accept a lot of things as well this must be okay because nobody's telling me it's not so maybe and this is normal maybe this is how people treat each other supposed to trust adults yeah. 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 And then you also pointed out in that Newsweek piece, and this is a part that has helped me personally, that the stress response, it's not just fight or flight. It's fight, flight, or freeze. Freeze. Mm -hmm. And in reading that, I didn't have a subway experience. I'm not even relating this to a sexual assault experience, but there are times I do that in my life. And I realized that it is in some ways a trauma response. It's a thing that may have kept us safe as children. You know, you just, 
I mean, if you're six years old, you can't fight back. So you just no. kind of freeze. Just trying mm-hmm. to freeze. And so there's, there's a lot here and sharing this, I hope helps all of our listeners have compassion for themselves, have compassion for those they know. This is incredibly, sadly common. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B Y. H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin. And I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve. And I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good. And they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash onboys. Yes. And maybe if we talk about it, we can prevent it from yeah. happening. One of the things as I was doing the research, uh, I was reading uh, that for the longest time, many places would have as a condition of uh, a person, particularly women accusing someone of rape, that they would ask, well, did you fight? Did you fight? Did you fight him off? Fight him off. Mm. And if somebody had gone into to freeze or sometimes they call it fawn, that that would be used against the accuser uh, saying, well, you didn't fight off the rapist. So obviously you were enjoying it. <laughs> and, and that's just not fair. Somehow yeah. it seems like that's something that we need to mention in our talking with our children. 
you know, talking about just generally sexual education and sexual relationships and relationships in general, because we maybe I'm guessing I'm trying, you know, maybe this is part of how we can make it safer for our kids to come to us and, and let us know if something has happened. That there's no shame in freezing because it's a, I mean, it, it's a, it's an involuntary reflex. Uh, again, I'm not an expert, but it made me stop beating myself up for something because I thought I was a coward for 20 years. Right. I, I was, I was coping the way my body chose. My body chose to freeze. And then the moment that there was a chance to get to safety, I took it. So then, there, then, then flight took over. Right. But, and one of the things that I don't really mention this in the, um, in the piece is there, there were some men laughing behind me. Mm. And, and I look back and I think, I don't think it, it's very possible. They absolutely had no idea what was going on with the groping. But the laughter behind me at the time, I assumed they could see and they were laughing at me. So it brought up a whole lot of internalized shame and oh, internalized yeah. homophobia. And, uh, and I, I, I was like, oh, you know, everybody's laughing at the. I felt this incredible shame. And, and writing this piece has also helped me realize they were probably laughing at something that had nothing to do with what, what I thought they were laughing at. You yeah. mentioned the homophobia, which is another huge layer of stigma that we have to talk about because this is our country. We have made progress, but there is also that other layer, which, you know, we, we look at uh, things that have happened within the Catholic church, within the boy Scouts, where you have older males taking advantage of young boys and that's hard for all the reasons. And then this is happening in a culture of homophobia and it gets incredibly difficult to talk about. I mean, if, if I say, is somebody going to think I'm gay, which we need to tackle the homophobia, but talk about layers. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to that. There are uh, same sex abusers that don't identify as LGBTQ. Uh, it's, it's, it's about, again, I'm not an expert, but my understanding is there's a lot of it. It's about power. About power. And so one of the things is, I, I think as a society, we get to start questioning folks. And you know, I'm just really, for myself personally, maybe I, that's where I should take it is, I'm trying to, to live the most transparent life possible. And I think as society, the more transparent we are, um, I, I teach a, a pre-college uh, class at, at, at Columbia. And one of the things is I love that they do this training. And one of the things that they tell is um, that secrets um, are a real problem. And that that healthy adults don't ever ask children to keep secrets. And I think that that as a society, we get to do that too. Let's never ask children to keep secrets um, because as a healthy society doesn't need those kind of secrets. So speaking of children, and I'm thinking of our listeners that are living this emotional experience with you and are raising children and how do we keep our children safe how i mean it's this conversation that jen and i often have of how much do you talk about your it's the whole pregnancy discussion right if we don't talk about getting pregnant we don't have to talk about sex and all that but but with our especially with our boys how do we communicate with them at a six-year-old level at an eight-year-old level what do you wish the adults in your life would have been able to say you know if we could rewrite history what would have been 
helpful and different for parents raising young children? Uh, there's, there's a lot to that question, and, mm. and I, I'm not an expert, so I'm going to just limit my response to, to what I know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, I do know from a little bit of the training, there was, there was a woman who was a former DA who did the, the training on protecting minors that I went through. And one of the things I appreciate is that she had taught her, uh, from the beginning of like two or three years old, her, her children, that an adult shouldn't ask you to keep a secret ever. And she tells this really funny story, but it's, it's of her little girl was in kindergarten and the teacher said, I'm going to share a secret with all of you. And her daughter stood up and said, you're not supposed to ask me to keep secrets. My mom said you're bad, you know, and it would be in this whole thing. And, 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 and the, the poor kindergarten teacher's like, I've, I've just said this every year for, you know, but the idea is, is, is that maybe as a society, if we can ask, she's like, not to- we're making Mother's Day gifts. That's all it is. <laughs> it was something as innocuous as that. And the poor teacher was like, I've done this every year for 25 years. I've never had a problem. But but the idea of being sensitive about secrets. I um, the, the, mm-hmm. the question that, that you asked, uh, Janet, and for the listeners who, who, who can't see is I, uh, why I got really upset um, when you asked, like, what could the adults in my life have done differently? And, and the reason I became upset is, my mom and, and um, my birth father divorced, uh, so she didn't know about this. I didn't talk about it. She did the absolute best she could. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I say that because just in case she ever hears this, this show, that I know she did the best she could to protect mm-hmm. us. And you, you, a parent, a loving parent, a healthy, a loving parent can't be everywhere at every time. Right. But the world has changed a lot in the 50 years since I was, I'm, I'm almost, um, I'm not quite 56, but in the 50 years since then. And I think we have a lot healthier attitude about talking about sexual things. I grew up in a conservative Southern Baptist family. We just didn't talk about anything that had to do with, with sex. And I think my mom was trying to be as, as um, progressive as she, she was able, but so I could just say in my life, what I would have liked differently, I wish that I had been able to have gone into therapy after the divorce. That mm. might've been helpful because there was a lot more trauma than just the, uh, this incident with my biological father. There was a lot, a lot of trauma. I mean, guns setting fire to a house, uh, threats of like, it's just a whole, a lot, a whole lot more for than, than for this podcast, but there was a lot of trauma and, and we didn't talk about it. My mother did the best she could, but, but her way was, have you ever seen, have you ever seen the movie or read the book, the Prince of Tides? Saw the movie a, a long time ago. Of course. There's, there's a scene where the Nick Nolte character talks about some trauma that their family, and he said the silence was worse than the incident. And in, in our case, there was a lot that happened. And then there was, my, my mother was only able to handle so much. And so it, it just, it never happened. And we didn't talk about it for 40 years. And, and it wasn't that she, you know, she did the best she could. The best that is for an adult was it's behind us, move forward. We don't talk about it and that's all. But I think as a child, I needed to process it and I needed some help. You know, a child who has a really bad flu needs a doctor. I had the mental health equivalent of, you know, I don't know. I don't want to know what to compare it to, but I needed some help. Mm-hmm. That's such a powerful quote 
the silence was worse than the incident because many of us, our parents, most certainly probably our grandparents, we, we did grow up with this, um, basically shit happen, can't undo it, go forward. Okay. And sometimes you do what you got to do in the moment. Everybody tries to do the best they can in the moment. I love your compassion towards your mother. And I'm, I'm moved by that as a mother myself, but what I hear you saying is that talking about these things, acknowledging openly, even if openly means me and my son riding in a car and I say something, if I say something about whatever the shit is, it makes it okay to talk about it. And that creates an opening. It's an opening. One of the things in doing the research, I, um, I, I first, broached um with myself the idea of the incident when i was when i was six about 23 and one of the things i have read about again i'm not an expert is that it's not uncommon for kids to go through childhood can be you know just traumatic and you're just trying to get through and then Mm -hmm. like you get through and you get through college and then you you end up coming face to face with yourself Mm-hmm. And that's what I think happened with me is I was always, you know, and I, I paid my own way through college. And, so, you know, I, I, so like, it was always, I was so busy, mm-hmm. busy, busy. Mm-hmm. And then I get out of college and I'm like, oh, I have to now look at myself in the mirror. I'm not running so fast. And that's another opportunity for maybe for some of the listeners is to say, you know, there's, there's, there's on ramps and off ramps. And for me, an on-ramp to beginning to address some of this was, was after, after college and when I started to live an adult life. It's never too late. It's never too late either. And I think that is also an important and powerful message. I am sad that you lived with that pain and that shame for so long, but I'm glad that you're looking at it now. I'm glad that you are going further in your healing and that you know you're taking these brave steps in part because like you you're helping yourself and you know that you talking and sharing is helping others which is why i was so honored when you invited me onto this podcast it, it's scary for me to talk about it and I, it's still relatively new like oh my gosh talking about it with you're both so lovely and jennifer you and i have met but you're basically strangers and your listeners are strangers <laughs> yeah. but but I get to opportunities to get braver and more transparent. Writing the piece was uh, showing it to the writing group was transparent. Then sending it off and having, you know, the folks at Newsweek read it, and then they published it, and then this award, and then posting it, you know, yeah. on 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 LinkedIn where it looks like it got about sixteen thousand reads, and mm-hmm. so now your listeners, and and so there's an the more I transparent I become the more it no longer has power over me mm-hmm. and the more that I'm able to convince myself. Cause I have moments when I believe it and moment when I doubt it, that, that maybe my pain can be useful for somebody else because then it becomes not something that I have to regret, but it becomes something that I get to accept and to say, let me use it. Let me use it to help other people. Yeah. Use it for good. Absolutely. And I can imagine that our listeners are maybe living into their own experience. And as Jen said at the beginning, you know, if this is painful for you, if this is bringing things up for you as you're listening, then seek help. 
because as yeah. you said, you got to, you got to, you call the doctor for the flu. You got to get help for this too. Oh, absolutely. And I've had, a, I've had, <laughs> I've had a lot of mental, <laughs> mental, I mean, a lot of therapists. There was a point um, where I was kind of being, uh, trying to face a lot of this stuff. And I was, I, I had, I had two therapy appointments a week uh, for a long time mm-hmm. because it was a lot and it was a lot that I'd yeah. blocked out and a lot that to, to try to recapture. So uh, I, I, I couldn't, have done, I couldn't have written this piece if I hadn't had a lot of help. From your perspective, what are some things that you think we, those of us who are, you know, actively parenting are actively anting and uncling, uh, you know, caregiving, educating children. And then we collectively as a society, what are some things that you think that we can do to create a climate of safety for our boys, both to decrease um, the chances of boys being victimized and maybe to increase the probability that, that when this happens, that people feel safer disclosing, coming forward, and that we can help people sooner rather than you know waiting 50 years, 20 years, five. Yeah, I, I'm going to recommend to all of your listeners uh, not to wait 50 years to try to reclaim your voice, uh, which was my experience. Like, if you can, but you know, we all we all do things when we're ready. So yeah. I, I wasn't ready until until then. Your question is is a tough one because I'm not an expert at this, uh, and I don't want to claim to be. I can just tell you what what I would imagine is, um, you know, it, it might have made a difference if. There used to be these things back in the 70s and 80s called, you know, after school specials. And they would be like, they would be these dramas, these hour long dramas for kids and, and, and tweens. And they would talk about a subject of the day. And the it would girl be on like the milk carton. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, uh, you know, um, but they would they would talk about different subjects. But uh, that reminds me that those kind of programs were helpful because they would address things and then kids were supposed to watch them and then talk about them. If parents, let's say that they're watching the news with the kids, or there's a character in a in a in a, in a drama or a fiction that that has that experiences sexual assault, um, parents of of boys might say, you know, it happens to boys too, mm. and 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 even so, even if the the depiction is not of a boy being sexually assaulted, that it can be like, you know, it happens to boys too. It happens to girls and boys and, you know, not binary folks, like it happens. Yeah. And just to say, and, and if you ever know of anyone that, that that happens to, you can come to me to talk to, because then it doesn't put the, if it happens to you, if you know anybody, it's just sort of cracking the door open. Mm-hmm. But that's just a supposition of like what I might've liked from my life. Um, I really like that. That's not even just cracking the door open. You know, it's easier, like you said, because it's not as direct if this happens to you. But in saying that, you are also conveying your willingness to be a safe person. And it might it might happen to another kid that your kid knows. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're creating other, other avenues and other opportunities. I think that All of us have a responsibility and a duty as best we can to be the village for all of these children. For all the children and to let 
children that may have been told by somebody else feel like they can come to an adult. Let me let me just tell you what's going on here. Um, I'm I um I, I told someone um, my age about what happened when I was six, and he kept that secret also. Mm. In fact, he kept it for probably about fifty years too. And so I bring that up because he didn't feel that he could talk about it at the time. So if we ask our kids like, hey, and if you know somebody, you can come talk to me, that might allow a child who's been asked to keep a secret, uh, either by an adult or maybe by another child to say, mm, yeah, let's, let's, let's let go of the secrets, come talk to me. That's the kind of secret that does not need to be kept. And it might have opened the door if he had talked to then for me getting the chance to talk. Mm-hmm. Mm. A couple yeah. really important things I'm, I'm hearing here that I want to make sure we call out and remind people secrets, talk to your kids, all of your kids about secrets. It's one thing to be planning a surprise party. It's another thing. If somebody's asking you to keep a secret, to keep something from your parents, uh, our kids need to know there are some secrets you should not keep. There are some secrets it is unhealthy to keep. And so talking about secrets, um, making sure that our boys know that sexual abuse, sexual assault is something that can happen to boys too. Expressing our willingness to, to be a safe person, to talk about it. Hey, if you know of this happening with anybody, you can tell me. Taking risks to talk about the tough things and the shit that happens and trauma, even if it's uncomfortable, because if you speak it, then the kids around you know it's okay. And that's a first step towards being able to seek professional support, um, being able to connect with the experts who can help families and individuals through these things. And it's not your fault not your fault. And, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Janet, because for the longest time I thought it was my fault. Mm. And now I'm getting to learn that it wasn't. No, Jen, that was such a good uh, wrap up, good bullet points of this conversation. And I know you'll put those in the show notes because that's those are some uh, yeah. really effective. I'm going to um, put in some links to... I need to do a little bit of research, but I'll, I'll put in links towards, you know, hotlines and resources of help and um, support, at least as starting places. Mm -hmm. We do have a massive shortage of healthcare providers, but in every community, um, there are mental health care providers. There are people who work with and help um, people who have experienced sexual harassment and assault. So I also encourage listeners to whether you need this information or not right now, just find out what's available in your community. Mm -hmm. Find that out so that you have that information tucked in the back of your head and you can share that with others, either just proactively and when need arises. I want to thank you for coming on the podcast today, Court. I want to thank you for continually peeling back these layers and sharing your story 
and your vulnerability with others. It is so scary to do. And it is so powerful because when one individual does that, you create space and permission for others to do that. Thank you. Thank you, Court. Thank Thank you you. for having me on the podcast. And thank you for giving me another opportunity, another layer, another opportunity to be brave because (laughs) I don't feel brave, but I appreciate that you had me on your podcast so much. Thank you so much. A powerful conversation with Court, so heartfelt. We really appreciate his willingness to share a difficult story with us so that others can benefit. Thank you for being here. If you feel like this will help someone else, please share. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net and Janet Allison of boysalive.com. And don't forget to get registered for the Executive Function Online Summit with Seth Perler. This is an opportunity for you to learn from experts from around the globe about how to help your son's brain function, executive function. Go to boysalive.com slash T-E-F-O-S to register, and you can find the early bird pricing there too. Even though the summit's free, there's a discount on getting all the recordings for your permanent library. Boysalive.com slash T-E-F-O-S. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big-